This is Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. Every week, we review an episode of the cult classic time travel series and decide whether it holds up to present day viewing. And hopefully, we'll entertain you along the way. Be sure to check us out on our website, fwwquantumleappod.com, and also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Fate's Wide Wheel. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Hello, everybody, from our secret, quarantined, social distancing <laughs> bunker. Yes. In fact, we are, we are practicing, I would say, more than adequate social distancing. You are miles away from me right now. <laughs> I am all of, like, what, maybe a mile away right now? Yeah, that, that's true. It's, it's, yeah. it's probably closer than that. But, yeah, um, yeah, we are here in the midst of a national emergency, global pandemic, COVID-19, coronavirus. Uh, and I think that we were just talking before we started recording. I know that I'm certainly practicing a little bit of self-quarantining with the family here for the next few days. And uh, I, I know, luckily, my job and Jessica's job allows us to do that. Um, but one of the things we're talking about is how it's different for everyone. And we need to kind of maintain an awareness uh about that because dennis it's not quite as easy for you it's uh it's not no my job is all uh doing massage therapy right now and i have my own office uh, and i've had some cancellations uh but i also do a lot of like going into offices for like wellness days like chair massage days and uh, i've had a couple of cancellations i expect tomorrow that i will get word that everything else has been canceled so uh, yeah, yeah. These, these these are interesting times that we live in. Yeah, they really, really are. Um, and I, I think that just to offer a little bit of perspective, because you know, not all of our listeners are in sort of a larger urban or metropolitan area. Um, that, in particular, for like Chicagoans and New Yorkers, um, there's. So, so much of our day-to-day life uh, puts us in crowds, whether you're using mass transit or you're, you're occupying, you know, locations like the Loop where, you know, you could stand on a street corner and be surrounded by 30, 40, 50 people waiting for the light to change so you can, you know, cross the street. Um, obviously, you know, grocery stores, uh, you know, malls, whatever. I mean, the Macy's, you know, there, there, are, there are places that you go on a day-to-day basis in, in a city like Chicago, and you'll just find yourself um, elbow to elbow with people, and it's kind of unavoidable. Um, and and that's not to minimize any other location, which is clearly experiencing uh, uh, issues with the transmission uh, of of this flu. But um, I think that trying to practice uh, a good deal of that um, social distancing and staying home if you can is very important to limit the transmission. And and it's not so much just for like you and me, um, as it is for other people out there that would be impacted by this a great deal more than, than you or I would. Oh, sure. I think you've probably seen the media, uh, the graphic on social media about flattening the curve. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not so much about trying to stop people from getting it. It's trying to slow, slow how many people get it uh, all at once is to not overwhelm the, the healthcare system. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sure if you are listening to this, you have 
you have already you've been reading up on this ad nauseum, so I'm sure we all, yeah. Interesting. So, so that being said, <laughs> so that being, to, to bring it back around into a positive way, uh, I, I'm sure you do. I have a lot of friends on social media who are very. They are out of work right now because they are performers, and yeah. uh, in Chicago, uh, pretty much everything, all all shows have been canceled uh, for a while. Some smaller storefront theaters, which you know only have audiences of typically like 40, 50 people per audience, they were trying to, to hold out and continue doing their shows, and. Uh, feedback from the rest of the theater community has been no, cancel all your shows. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I know a lot of performers who are who are out of work right now. So they are turning their artistic pursuits to uh, online and social media right now. Uh, and and this recording an episode today of all days is is just our little way of hopefully putting a little bit of joy out in the world and into your ears. And uh, hopefully, if you're sitting at home in quarantine or whatever you're doing, uh, you could enjoy this week's episode, uh, kind of appropriately named All Things Considered. We're all, we're all in our homes killing time, and here we are talking about the episode Killing Time. That is right. Here we are, Killing Time, directed by Michael Watkins, written by Tommy Thompson. Um, both of those names, of course, should be fairly familiar to us um, because uh, both have had their hand at uh, other episodes of, of Quantum Leap before. And all of a sudden, I find myself wildly unprepared as I uh, as I don't have my usual resources at my fingertips. So, Dennis, feel free to jump in if you uh, have any sort of comments about their efforts on, on Quantum Leap prior to uh, uh, this particular episode. Oh, um, oh, you are the one who always pulls up all that information. I don't have information pulled up. I'll tell you what, I'll jump ahead. I'll, I'll give you my contribution, what I usually do. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, give, right I'll give you the TV guide description. Uh, Sam, TV guide description. Uh, Sam leaps into a killer holding a mother and daughter hostage, but he's trapped as well when the man escapes from the waiting room back in the future. In other countries, this episode, uh, in Germany, it was known as The Revenge. In France, it was known as The Stroke of Midnight. I appreciate that. <laughs> and in Italy, oh, Italy. Italy, Italy, Italy. Uh, our thoughts and prayers with Italy right now because they are on total lockdown right now. Uh, yeah. But they always come up with interesting names for the episodes. And in Italy, this episode was known as A Leap in Crime. <laughs> that's that's nice. Uh, it was first broadcast uh, on October of all 20th. times I... I- yeah, I picked to take a sip of water there. <laughs> yeah. uh, first broadcast on uh, Tuesday, October twentieth, nineteen ninety two, had a rating share of ten point one million viewers and clocked in at forty five minutes and forty eight seconds. That's right. And our director, Michael Watkins, this is actually his final episode that he directed of Quantum Leap. Uh, Prior to this, he had been responsible for A Little Miracle, Last Dance Before Execution, which is an episode that we both uh, enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, Hurricane, another uh, fun episode. Unchained, um, which is... uh, I think Unchained actually might share a little bit in common with this episode so much as... Not that they both dealt with, like, criminals or whatnot, but that they felt a little... Like, just a little step darker... Than, than oh, what yeah. we might have normally gotten. Uh, last Dance Before Execution, the same way, actually. Same, yeah. Uh, a Song for the Soul, uh, and then, of course, uh, Killing Time, now being his final directorial effort on Quantum Leap. Yeah. Uh, uh, this episode was written by 
let me jump back in there. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, a special shout out to uh, Mr. Watkins on this episode. He received an American Society of Cinematographers nomination for Outstanding Achievement in Cinematography for this episode. Damn, how about that? Well, that's, yeah. uh, you know, I think it's well-deserved, and it, it's interesting to note that his directorial efforts on Quantum Leap uh, are the first among his credits uh, on IMDb, uh, not his last by a long shot. However, he uh, would go on to direct numerous episodes of Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, uh, The X-Files, NYPD Blue, Smallville, um, Las Vegas, uh, Monk, Law and & Order, um, and most recently responsible for uh, a run on Justified, which is one of my favorite shows of all time, um, The Blacklist, and most recently directing an episode of Grey's Anatomy. Um, so he's had a, a lengthy, lengthy career over the past 30 years since starting with a little sci-fi show called Quantum Leap. Um, this episode is written by Tommy. I want to make a little uh, tangent here. Speaking of Justified, yep. this is going to be weird. Have you finished The Good Place yet? No, we've not finished it yet. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, just yeah. keep justified in mind that you have a nice little treat in the last few episodes uh, of, of The Good Place. That is that is love. I can't wait. I, we've been enjoying it immensely. We, we finished season three. Season four, of course, isn't streaming just yet. We joked that uh, we hoped that you know, they would offer it up. Uh, during during these uh, coronavirus days, because like Disney, for instance, dropped Frozen Two on Disney Plus like months earlier than they had planned on doing, sort of as a uh, treat to say like, we know you're all indoors, watch Frozen Two. Yeah. Also, subscribe and you know send us your money. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting these days. That I think the the service, if you will, that that streaming services will will provide to to folks that are that are shut in for for the next couple of weeks. Um, pardon me, I you know I, I'm going to open this soda. I don't normally do these sorts of things on mic, but I'm going to do this right now. I, I quit drinking, uh, and I am actually celebrating 200 days of sobriety. Congratulations! So uh, I keep meaning to yeah, ask so you about I, that, but yeah, yeah. So as I pop this uh, zero calorie Zevia ginger flavored root beer. Uh, I'm just going to take a moment to, to celebrate that with our listeners. Um, it's going well. I feel good. Congratulations. I've cut back considerably. Not totally stopped, but back yeah. considerably. Yeah. Um, we'll come back to that later on uh, yeah, right. in, our, in our post-show. But anyway, I keep interrupting you. Uh, That's all yeah, right. Uh, it's, it's a, you know, I think we're eager to talk, to have a little human contact, not physically, but even just emotionally or mentally. These, these past few days have been taxing. Absolutely, so, so yeah. To focus on something so enjoyable and frivolous. Yeah. Um, but anyway, on a Tommy, Tommy Thompson. Thompson. <laughs> oh God! Take my best friend. Bo- oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so Tommy Thompson, uh, this would be his thirteenth uh, episode uh, of Quantum Leap. Or excuse me, no, I apologize. This is his tenth episode of Quantum Leap out of thirteen. He's responsible for other episodes such as Leaping In Without a Net, Miss Deep South, Heart of a Champion, which was one that we enjoyed. Uh, most recently, Moments to Live and Nowhere to Run. He will go on um, to write Deliver Us from Evil, Promised Land, and finish up with Blood Moon. <laughs> well, we can't win them all, you know? No, we really can't. Um, 
As Dennis mentioned, our air date is October the 20th, 1992, and our leap date is June 18th, 1958. Sam has leapt into Leon Styles, and we're in Pine County, Oklahoma, when we're in 1958. However, we've got some scenes in 1999 at Project Quantum Leap in Stallions Gate, New Mexico, and also a couple of scenes in Las Vegas, Nevada. I, that's not Las Vegas. I've never understood that to be Las Vegas. I've always, yeah, because I think Stallion's Gate is supposed to be like the area, like where the project is actually at, and then there, it's, uh-huh. it's the, the the name of the nearby city has something Stallions in the name. I'm I, just going I, off of what that's, you know. I'm just going off of what I've read. I I, I get yeah. I know that's what uh, Matt Dale. All the love to Matt Dale right now. Uh, that's what he has right. in his book, but I, that's never. I've always it's like it's the nearest city. Right, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I maybe I, destiny. I'll go either way on it. You know, I mean, I, I feel like with the speed at which Al is clearly traveling when he's when he's driving out, you know, I'd buy him being able to drive a couple hundred miles within the span of an hour or so. You know, yeah, no cars on the road either. Nineteen ninety nine, people must not be driving much. I don't know. I know. We'll get to that scene later on. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, so, so, what are your Memories of this episode. Uh, you know, the funny thing is that I, I, I my memories uh, of the initial viewing of this episode are pretty shaky. Um, you know, I was I was ten, eleven years old, eleven years old when it aired, and um, I certainly have like some snatches of like visual memory when it comes to the future scenes. But the thing that surprised me is how little I remembered of the 1958 scenes. The leap in was stuck in my brain. Um, but other than that, yeah, not not much else. Now, certainly repeat viewings that I had, like off of USA and Sci-Fi Network, you know, as I got older, uh, I, I remembered a, a fairly substantial amount um, more than that first viewing. Uh, but I think that, yeah, the 1999 stuff was what stood out to me the most, especially when I was watching as a kid um, in 1992. What about you? I love this episode when I was a kid. Uh, I, I, yeah. know we ha- I know we have shat a lot on the fifth season, <laughs> but that's all in retrospect. When I, when I was a kid on first viewing, I loved the fifth season. I loved yeah. all the weird places this, the, the series was going. This is an episode yep. that I love so much that uh, when I was a kid, this is one episode I actually I put a, a cassette tape recorder next to to the TV during a rewatch of this episode, and I recorded it. So when I was out walking with my knockoff Walmart brand whatever cheap Walkman, I could walk around wow. and listen to this episode on cassette tape. That's how wow. much I love this episode when I was a kid. That's, wow. I, you know, it's so funny because uh, I never did anything quite like that, but I know with A Leap Home Part 1 um, that I transcribed the entire episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had a script of it, and I remember taking it into drama class when I was a freshman in high school. Um, and uh, we actually filmed a couple scenes from it. I know, yeah, you said, yeah. I was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was, when I was, uh, yeah. But um, yeah, that's 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 kind of that's funny. I, you know, we've talked about this before, but we both had sizable, you know, VHS 
home recordings yeah. uh, of Quantum Leap. I didn't have all the episodes. Did you have all the episodes? Oh, Sam. <laughs> at one at one point in time when USA was running the reruns, um, mm-hmm. once I realized that that USA was going to run start running the episodes from the beginning, not like the very first rerun, but like the second time through or whatever. This would have been my of course uh, freshman year in high school. So this was the fall after Quantum Leap went off the air on NBC. Um, yep. During uh, a t- we had, we actually had a teacher strike in my hometown that lasted over two months. Oh um, wow! And at the time, uh, Quantum Leap was being rerun on weekday mornings. So I started recording the episode from, or I started recording the series from the first episode. And I recorded the episodes. I edited them in such a way so that every cassette tape, every VHS tape was one long, continuous episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Every day, I would start recording in the middle of the leap-in at the beginning of the episode and have the tape positioned at the leap-out at the beginning of the last episode. I would cut out the opening credits wow. for all of the episodes, wow. with the exception of the very first episode on each VHS tape, so that every cassette tape just ran continuously in the next episode. Oh, wow. And then after school started back up, I hoodwinked my mom into doing this for me. On I remember mornings. you telling me that. Yeah. 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 Man. It's, you know, that is one of those things, certainly for any younger listeners uh, to, to the podcast, that I think is very different for our generation compared to today's you know, generation that's in like that sort of like junior high, you know, age range that recording something like that is so foreign. You know, these days I think that maybe the only equivalent that I could think of would be like, um, you know, torrenting an episode or something. Mm -hmm. Um, because yeah, there is no, there is no real, uh, effort, I think, put in for the individual at large to record that. I mean, you have, like, individuals that do it and then upload it so that people can download it or whatnot. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it is is one of those things that I I guess in a way I haven't thought a lot about. You know, I've given thought to, like, making mixtapes or recording something off the radio, things like that, you know, when it comes to music. But, yeah, when it comes to the way that we get entertainment and we digest it, there seems to be maybe, um, less individual agency and freedom to record something, an episode of TV on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Had those, hauled those around for years, and then um, I had them all in a box. I didn't need them anymore because we had the DVDs by that point, uh, music, sure. music replacement issues aside. And so I, I left a place that I was running in Chicago, and when I left, I just left that box in the storage room. Intentionally. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't care. Whatever. Leave it in the storage. There you go. Uh... So yeah, so those I'd like to think that some young individual impressionable youth was able to find those and you know buy a secondhand VCR. And I know I should comb through them. my. Uh, <laughs> I, I I left that place to move in with a girlfriend of my roommate at the time. He stayed there for at least another couple of years. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, but anyway, uh, that's that's where I come at this episode from. Yeah. So I you know. 
I'll just add to that that I agree with you. When I was young, watching this season as it unfolded, I loved just about everything about it. Um, and I think that the distance of time and different perspectives and different contexts have certainly made me view things in a different light. I, I think that you know, thus far as we go through season five, Lee Harvey Oswald is a prime example of that. Um, I will say I have a feeling that you and I might come out on different ends of the spectrum on this one, and I could be wrong about that, but it'll be okay. interesting to hear what you have to say. All right. Well, let's, well, let's yeah. leap in, shall we say. Let's do it. Uh, so, like I said at, at the tail end of uh, last episode, Nowhere to Run, I think the, the, the leap in is one of, the, the, one of my favorite leap ins. It's one of the favorite uh, WTF moments. I, to be honest, I, I like the shorter version of the leap in than I like the longer version in the actual episode. And the reason I like mm-hmm. it more is that the shorter version, you don't know absolutely for sure who Sam is until he stands right. up until he stands up and looks in the mirror. Yeah, because. The, the the shortened version at the end of the previous episode, it's it's vague enough. Like, I mean, he's got a gun in his hand, but is he the killer or is he just a husband on the lookout defending his family? But with the longer version, yeah. when you get the dialogue with uh, with with with, uh, with Becky and the mother, you have it confirmed instantly that Sam is. So by the time the news report comes on the TV. You already know who Sam is, and it already takes the, it takes the reveal out of the out of the mirror image. Sure, and you know, and I, I, I suppose in a way that that's okay, um, if only because at that point we're kind of committed to the episode. But if we're drawing people in, if we're leaving them with a cliffhanger, I, I agree. I think the the leap out um, of nowhere to run into this works better and is tighter. Um, but it doesn't necessarily bother me. That oh, I mean, it's, it's a small quibble. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. But I get it. I totally get where you're coming from. Um, uh, yeah, it's 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 done very very well, and 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 I think that it gives us a, a sense of stakes um, in a very different way, but uh, also along the same lines of nowhere to run. Um, so I feel like we've had two very strong leap ins in mm-hmm. a row here. Um, you know, I, I, for all the shit that we gave it, I would certainly say that the cliffhanger leap into Lee Harvey Oswald kind of sets the tone for season five and having some higher stakes leap ends than what we've gotten recently. Because mm-hmm. even though Leap for Lisa is a pretty high stakes episode, the leap in is not high stakes at all. True. <laughs> I was, was, was going to crack a joke about uh, Terry Farrell being pretty much naked in the opening scene, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, something's higher, than the, but not the stakes. Um, Whoa, hey, so, I wasn't going there, but yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, shortly after this, we we get because uh, I, I, you know the thing about the leap in and about these first couple of scenes with Sam in 1958 is that there's not much that necessarily deviates from the pattern of quantum leap Mm. thus far but you know almost immediately when you think about it we get something that that breaks us away from anything we've ever gotten before because all of a sudden we're in the waiting room it's 1999 and leon styles is holding a gun in al's face yeah so so let's talk about this scene let's unpack this yeah uh and, and here's an issue i've always had this episode from even as a kid uh where does leon get the gun 
this scene is a mess uh, because after they leave the waiting room, which first off, it, it's weird because the the shot they show of the waiting room door is obviously a freeze frame shot from the imaging chamber door from the leap back. And then they walk out of the waiting room and all of a sudden, like the waiting room doesn't even have a door. They're just walking down a large ramp. I don't know what the hell's going on. Uh, and in the background, when they walk out, you clearly see someone laying on the floor in the background. Uh, yeah, the Marine Guard. So I have always interpreted this as like, oh, clearly there was a scene before of Leon knocking out a Marine Guard and getting the gun. It was just cut out for time. And it turns out that was the case. There, there was a scene scripted and shot of, uh, of apparently a Marine and Al walking into the waiting room together. Leon gets better of the Marine and takes the gun. And, uh, but apparently it, it, the scene just wasn't shot well and Don Belisario requested the scene be cut. So what we get is an overdub uh, uh, audio clip of Al saying, where did you get that gun? And then we jump into the scene as it is. Sloppy. But we're here. Yeah. It's you know it's so funny I, it doesn't bother me and 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 I think because in my mind I always just accepted the fact that based off the visual cue that we get of the marine guard lying on the on the ground that Leon jumped the guard stole the gun Al you know races in to figure out what the hell's going on it doesn't necessarily put two and two together in time and is like where the hell did you get a gun now it's it, I agree it's sloppy yeah it's definitely sloppy but that's just the way my head fixes it sure. I guess I mean I guess, but um, th- th- there's the scene coming up later on when Al is explaining to Sam what happened and there's a yeah. moment where there is clearly an overdubbing of Dean Stockwell's voice of him recording new dialogue yeah over, and, and like even as a kid I noticed that and so it's like okay yeah yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of noticeable, and it's not all bad. I don't want I, I don't want to insinuate that, but it is certainly there's a lot of noticeable ADR in this episode. Yeah. Uh, um, even at t- points where it doesn't make sense, there's a point where when uh, when Sam is explaining Project Quantum Leap to um, Carol and Becky, and there's an overdub halfway through his explanation. But the weird thing is, is that. It, his lips match up perfectly. There, I mean, so it's kind of like yeah. There's a, there's a, was there something wrong? There's also uh, there's a lot of that in the scene with uh, uh, at Sex World uh, mm-hmm. after after Al arrives between Al Leon and the sex worker. Yeah, uh, and I always when those I always chalk those up too for whatever reason the the audio of the original film scene was bad and so they had to overdub it. Totally. Uh, now absolutely. We're, now we're. Now we're coming up on a moment that a lot of fans seem to have a gripe with, and I actually enjoy it. It's the moment where Leon is walking Al out of the waiting room at gunpoint, and we have Gushy walk up. And just the cat, Admiral Calabici, I was just looking for you. Dr. Beckett? I, yes. I I agree. I could totally buy Gushy being so absent-minded. Yep. That he that he sees Leon with the aura of Sam around him, and he just like Doctor Beckett. Yeah, I, I buy it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, in fact, the note that I took is Gushy acts a bit like an idiot, but it works. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. there's just there's there's something about Gushy throughout the entirety of the episode where you know Dennis Wolfberg, may he rest in peace. Uh, 
he, he's crafted this wonderful, amazing character who's gotten scant few moments of screen time, even though we've heard about him throughout the course of the series. Yeah. And, 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 and he's just this wonderful, memorable individual that, that, that seems fairly multifaceted. And, and, and the, the, the crazy thing is, is it's like you can take the, the notion that he's the head programmer and believe it in spite of his ineptitude in these other areas. And, and he just, he feels right. And there's the scene later on where Al says something about, you know, I'd kiss you if you didn't have horrible breath. And, and, and Gushy, rather than being like offended or upset or anything, is so affable about yeah. it. Yeah. You know? Yes. Untouched, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and his scenes with Sam and everything, yeah. So Gushy's great in this episode, and it's definitely one of those uh, things that that makes you wish strongly that we would have gotten more future scenes, so that we could have seen more of Gushy, yeah. um, that we could have seen some more of the other characters. Well, the thing is, I can't remember where I read this. I, I, I mean, I read this years ago in the in the nineties, just to, shortly after the series was canceled. But had there been a sixth season? Uh, uh, Gushy was going to appear more on the show. And Dennis Wolfberg yeah. was even going to get to contribute a little bit to the dialogue. Uh, Dennis Wolfberg, if you're not familiar, he was uh, he primarily was a stand-up comic. Um, yeah. And this was uh, this was the only acting gig that, that I knew of that he had. Of course, we can go to IMDb and take a look. Um, if you've never seen any of his stand-up, I'm sure you can find some on YouTube. I remember watching some of it when uh, when Fox used to have like a Sunday night stand-up comedy special every week. Um, yep. And uh, I remember, like, seeing him on there a couple times. And ju- his, yeah, his stand-up comedy uh, was great. Um, I wish we got, could have gotten yeah. to see him more. I agree. And if you, you know, you can even go um, uh, to IMDb and, and, and notice all this. But, yeah, multiple appearances on The Tonight Show, um, multiple appearances on The Pat Sajak Show, if anybody remembers that one. Uh, he was on Johnny Carson, uh, David Letterman. So, you know, uh, all the all the big shows for stand-up comics, but also, um, you know, uh, the comedy shows like One Night Stand, Stand Up in America, uh, The Comedy Shop, Comedy Coast to Coast. Um, so, yeah, he was... Um, uh, in in the late eighties and early nineties, he was all over the place. You know, you, you know as far as stand up uh, uh, comedians go, um, even if he never necessarily like broke through to the big big time or whatever. Sure. Uh, but yeah, this is um, you know interesting enough. This is his um, second to last appearance on Quantum Leap. You know, we previously saw him in um, um, Lee Harvey Oswald and, and Leap Back, um, and now we'll get him. Uh, one more time in mirror image. You know, here's the thing: you don't you don't see a good shot of him, but he's in the, he's in the pilot. He's the voice of Gushy in the pilot. That, we do get yes, that's very true. Uh, we do get the one side shot of him, and actually, it's 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 always been in the opening credits in every variation yep. of the opening credits, like the 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 shot of the of the person their hair being blown back by the accelerator, whatever. That's yeah, because yeah. he's he. He's the one that says to Al, he's leaping. Yeah, yeah. no, he, you're right. He's in the very, very opening scenes, um, which is great because, yeah, it comes full circle because he's also in Mirror Image, of course. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's, he's great in this, and he's great right away. And I, I'm, you know, it's sad, of course, to know that even had season six continued on, um, that most likely we wouldn't have gotten much gushy because, unfortunately, Dennis Wolfberg passed in 1994. Um, maybe we got so one good season. season. Maybe whatever. Hopefully, yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe the maybe, the, yeah. maybe the job would have saved his life. We don't know. Who knows? We don't know. Who knows? Butterfly effect. 
So all that being said, uh, diving into the meat of the scene, so Leon has Al and Gushy at gunpoint, and the Marine guard comes off the elevator and he pulls his gun. And this is where we learn some information that uh, we learned some rules that we didn't know before. Uh, yeah. In that, um, if the leap be, if the person in the waiting room dies, Sam can't leap. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, I'm not going to spend too much time on it because I've already decided Lee Harvey Oswald is not canon. But uh, this is also like, what the hell was Al doing bringing a gun into the waiting room during Lee Harvey Oswald? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it was purely a scare tactic. I think we even mentioned in yeah. our discussion of Lee Harvey Oswald that we knew that, yeah, that he couldn't kill him. But, uh, yeah, I, you're right. You're right. Um, when you're right, you're right, right. Yeah. <laughs> we do get some other uh, interesting information, too, that uh, the waiting room, and in essence, uh, it would seem the most vital areas of Project Quantum Leap are 10 uh, floors below ground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that the uh, the parking lot is is ten levels up and uh, and to your left, I think is actually what yeah. uh, what right up front. Say. Yeah. Um, so it, I, I have to say the the actor who um, is, is playing uh, Leon, I think, does a wonderful job with what he's given. Cameron Die is his name. Um, it, it, you know, it's it's all it's all up here. It's all you know high level, but it. That said, it works, and I think the reason why it does is because um, of the situation we know that he was displaced out of, uh, knowing his mentality, and then, you know, that um, drive for him to escape uh, and getting out, playing the fish out of water in 1999, I think he does a commendable job, so... um, yeah, I, I I don't know how you feel about him, but uh, uh, I mean, I'm all right with him. This is the only thing I've seen him in, so so mm-hmm. so who knows? Um, I think he chews the scenery a lot. Uh, yeah, there, there, there's one moment coming up at the end of the episode. And I'll get into it when we get in there. That it's just like, oh god, he is acting. He is acting so hard. Acting. Sure. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that later on. He. You know, just to throw it in there real quick, uh, he, his career dates back to 1982 in an episode of MASH. Uh, a lot of television, um, you, you know, Chips, Cagney, and Lacey, um, In the Heat of the Night, Miami Vice, uh, Murder, She Wrote, uh, a couple episodes of Frasier, did an episode of JAG, uh, Smallville, um, a couple of the CSIs, um, but still working to this day. Um, uh, was in a short film recently entitled I, I've seen this too. Manson, Charlie. Yeah, yeah. I saw that, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, Cameron Dye's done all right as far as maintaining a, a, a career in film and television since this episode of Quantum Leap. Um, yeah, so once he escapes, of course, there is the uh, the frantic need to figure out you know what the hell to do. Of course, Al, I, I think, kind of jumps into action right away, uh, which is great. We, we, you know, we get to see a bit of a different side of Al yeah. here. Um, he, in fact, in a lot of ways, uh, he ends up being more proactive than Sam. You know, Sam is fairly passive mm-hmm. throughout the course of this episode. 
normally that would bother me, but as I will lay out as we continue on, I think it's one of the greatest strengths of this episode, actually. All right. We may have different points of view on that. So we get the line from Al saying that he's got to break the news to Sam, hope he's in a good mood. Uh, and, he, <laughs> and he's off to the imaging chamber. Um, and so we get back into 1958, and so Sam's in a position where uh, he sees no reason to keep to keep Becky and, and her mom tied up, so he's going to let them go, and that's when Al shows up. And yeah. uh, throughout the scene that unfolds, Al, Al breaks the news. Um, yeah. and, and I love how they, they, they've never discussed it in an episode, but in the subsequent conversation, like, uh, they kind of established, like, like they've always known that, that this is a bad, like, the person getting out of the waiting room, out of the complex, yeah. is, is huge. Yeah. Uh, which is great. I like that they just, they treat it as a given and move on, and, like, there's no, like, Swiss cheese moment where Al has to explain to Sam what the stakes are. Uh, right, you know what I mean. They could because they could have. I completely. They, they could have gone that route, uh, but no. Like we, we immediately we know the stakes. Um, this is when uh, oh. Sheriff Hoyt shows up. Uh, the house is surrounded outside by the cops. We get the stakes set up that in the original history, when Styles uh, surrendered himself. Hoyt shot him before he even got to the mailbox in cold blood because Stiles had killed Hoyt's daughter in kind of a crossfire situation. Um, yep. So Al has to go find Leon in the future. Sam has to hang still, hang tight. And we have the stakes of the episode. Yeah. Um, Scott, uh, as usual, does an amazing job um, in, in digesting the information that Al's giving him here, but knowing how high the stakes are. His, I mean, the, the way that it washes over him, um, I think, is fantastic. You know, the disbelief over something like this happening. Um, we get a Sam in this episode, as I mentioned earlier, that is fairly passive when it comes to the leap itself and obviously the action that's happening in the future he can't do much about. Uh, although he does make some pretty bold choices during the course of the leap, one of the things that I like so much is that it seems to me that we get a Sam who's very much, and, and this was on display in Nowhere to Run too, but after what we got with Lee Harvey Oswald, we get a Sam who's very much uh, present and in control. He's not suffering from you know any sort of huge bouts of Swiss cheese like you just mentioned. He's not... Uh, having difficulty digesting the situation that he's in. Um, he's very much sort of in character almost at, at times. Um, and, I, and I think that this scene does a great job of displaying that. In fact, the conversation, it's funny that he and Al are having here is an interesting almost sort of role reversal of the conversation they have in Nowhere to Run, where Sam is kind of upset over having to go and meet the wife, and it's like, oh, great, she knows my first name, I know her first name, mm-hmm. they love something to talk about, and Al kind of checks him and puts him in place. Here, Al is kind of almost trying to kind of be like, ah, well, this thing happened, this thing, and Sam's the one that kind of has to check and put him in place, like, this is a horrible, bad thing, mm-hmm. which, of course, Al knows, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, but, but Al's just having difficulty breaking the news to Sam, so I think this scene works really, really well, and considering it's one of the few scenes we get between Al and Sam in the course of this episode, um, I, I just, I, I really like the scene a lot. Um, I like the gravity of the situation being, you know, kind of reconfirmed by Al. If he dies, you're finished. Um, that line just really stuck out to me. Uh, the other thing that's 
fucking hilarious about this scene is Sam's faith or lack thereof in Gushy. Like his whole response, like, "Oh, great, great, Gushy, great, great, yeah, me and Gushy, yeah." Yeah, it's a, like you can just tell behind. And I'm sorry for cursing like a sailor today, but behind his eyes, like literally, Sam is just like, "I'm fucked." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we also get, uh, you know, another thing that's really nice about this scene is that Al basically tells him, "He's like, you have to make the sheriff believe yeah. that you're going to kill these two. And when Sam picks up that phone and makes the call to let them know that that's what's going to happen, he pulls it off. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's fairly chilling. Um, he lets them know. Uh, Jim Haney, who plays Sheriff Hoyt, um, is very good, I, I think, uh, in the role, um, and has a history of playing authority figures uh, like this. He's played, you know, sheriffs, judges, priests, um, I, I like his work in this. I think that one of the things that sometimes, you know, we get in Quantum Leap is we get to live with characters for a while. The other thing that's interesting about this episode is that it unfolds over the course of a couple hours. Yeah. So I think that's another reason why I kind of excuse Cameron Dyes, Leon Stiles, and, and Jim Haney here, Sheriff Hoyt, being, you know, amped up for the course of the episode because it is just a short period of time, so I'm not expecting a multi-layered, nuanced performance necessarily. That said, I think that Haney does a wonderful job um, at maintaining the tension of these scenes and also being this grieving, vengeful father. Uh, and, of course, his final scene in particular is, is, is quite wonderful. Yeah. Um, you know what else Jim Haney is good at? What's that? Staying alive. Still alive, still kicking to this day. Oldest actor in the episode, <laughs> and he's still with us. Born in he's still born with in nineteen forty, and yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, him like all all of the supporting characters in this scene in, in this episode. Uh, uh, Leon Styles aside, uh, and I'll get into that later <laughs> on. Uh, they're wonderful. Like you know, I think I can't remember if we talked about this on mic in Nowhere to Run, or if we talked about this off mic uh, in preparation for this episode a couple weeks ago. You could have not had any of the Leon Sile stuff in the future. You could have just made this an episode of 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 being of Sam being stuck in the house trying to figure out what to do, and it would have been a very good episode. Um, That's very true. You know, you 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 you, I, you could have set up something else in the future, like some other reason, some other delay or something. You know what I mean? Uh, as as to why Sam couldn't leave. And you could have done just as well without any of the future sequences, and this would have been a powerful episode. I completely agree with you, and one of the main reasons why I wish that that would have happened, quite frankly, is that I would have loved the opportunity to spend some more time, in particular, with Joseph Malone, who plays Deputy Grimes. Yeah. I think he is phenomenal in this episode. Um, you know, he's such a wonderful example of an actor who doesn't necessarily have a lot to do, but it's very important, and he does it in, you know, kind of almost doing the opposite of what I was talking about with, with Haney, he does it in a very committed, truthful, nuanced way. And I really enjoy his performance throughout the course of this episode. Um, he was a character that I, you know, I found very sympathetic and I empathized with. Um, I just thought he was great and, and again, doesn't have a, a ton of screen time, but what he has to do uh, throughout the course of the episode is very important. And, um, yeah, I, I, I just really, really liked him a lot. And Joseph Malone? Still alive. 
indeed still alive. <laughs> Interesting, interestingly enough, actually, uh, has um, been nominated for uh, two primetime Emmys. Um, and this is the thing that's kind of fascinating for choreography. I'll buy it. Outstanding choreography in Boston Public and Outstanding Choreography in Tracy Takes On. He won two awards um, for Outstanding Choreography from the American Choreography Awards, uh, one for Boston Public and another for Ally McBeal. So, uh, yeah, an actor um, has done a lot of uh, television, um, including playing J.J. Carter on Dallas. Uh, and uh, but yeah, uh, also it has a uh, quite a lengthy career as a choreographer, um, which I, I found to be interesting because you know the seeing the work that he does in, as an actor in this episode, it just kind of shocked me, it surprised me a little bit. Oh sure, sure. Uh, while we're here on IMDb, I guess we should uh, take up the rest of the actors for this episode because we've already we've already met them all. Uh, we've met That's true. Uh, we've met Carol. We've met uh, uh, Becky. Uh, Carol is played by Connie Ray, who I remember from a short-lived series from around the same time, uh, The Torkelsons. Absolutely. Interesting fact about The Torkelsons is that it also starred Olivia Burnett, who played Katie in A Leap Home and Susan in Another Mother. That's fact, right. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Olivia Burnett played uh, Connie Ray's daughter. Uh, That's right. Um, yeah. Uh, which you can totally see. Oh, yeah. Like, Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and, and you know Connie's great in this episode as well. I, she has some really, really wonderful scenes, and I think that if if someone told me that there was just going to be a, an episode, a bottle episode, and it was just it, like we had just sort of described, and the bulk of the episode is going to be Sam and Carol in this house together, I I would have bought that episode in a heartbeat. Yeah, uh, Becky is played by Beverly Mitchell, who I did not recognize, but we were watching the episode last night. Betsy recognized her as uh, being on Seventh Heaven. That's right. Um, oh, apparently she was in Saw 2. Yeah, well, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, funny. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she, uh, yeah she's, she's great. She's wonderful in this episode. Um, I had forgotten the scene between her and Hoyt later on, mm-hmm. which uh, I want to unpack when we get to it later on because that creates an interesting, an interesting moment, paradox moment for the episode. Um. Oh sure. Yeah. Well, there, you know, we're we're coming right to it, so we might as well dive in. One of the things that happens uh, almost immediately after Sam gets off the phone uh, is that he confesses who he is to Becky and Carol who he is and when he is from. Yeah. We get a confirmation, which we've you know we've had basically before, but out of Sam's mouth that he started the project in 1995. Mm-hmm. Um, which matches up with the how yeah you know, how long the show's been on the air and what the time is in the future. How how do you feel about Sam's uh, confession here and the potential ramifications of that? Uh, well, well, first off, what's interesting, and this is not something I realized until recently, and I was reading all the extra trivia in Matt's book. This is the first time in an episode where we've gotten confirmation that Leaping started in 1995. But there was at least one commercial on NBC where uh, they, they used to do a lot of like gimmick commercials where they would have 
Sam leap into different NBC personalities of the time. Yes. Um, yep. And in, I, I don't know if he lip, leaped into a, a specific NBC personality, but they did have at least one commercial where Sam leaped into a news anchor and he immediately starts gushing to the camera who he is. And he says something very similar to, in 1995, I created a top secret government project, blah, 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 blah. Um, so this is the first time we've heard it in an episode, but in commercials for the show, 1995 has been established. As far as how I feel about it, uh, it's it's a very unique situation. Like, I, I, I can see it coming from the place where he just said in front of them, I will kill them to the sheriff mm-hmm. and wanting to make them feel safe as possible. He says a thing. Um, he's has he untied them at this point? I'm sorry to interrupt. I just I just couldn't remember if he'd untied them already, or does he do it as he's telling them this? I think he does it before because yeah. uh, because the untying comes at at, uh, at Connie's playing of "We're not a threat to you, please untie us." Oh no no right. no! And I, I think he, he he's about to, and that's when Al shows up for the first time. Um, okay. I, I think the untying may have happened off camera. We just see like the tail end of it. No, we see we we actually see him untie them. Okay. Like their th- their hands are tied in the. I think it happens during this because he's leaning forward and talking to them and telling them all this and untying them. And I think it happens right okay. here. Okay. Um, because then shortly after we get the the scene with the the medical book as well. Got it. I I, I love the end of it when. Uh, when Connie says, do you have any idea what that sounds like? I just love the chutzpah on that. Like, right. like, if you don't believe him, then you just think the serial killer in your home is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Right? Uh, saying, do you have any idea what that sounds like, is a little ballsy. <laughs> yeah. She's, you know, that's the thing, though. We get a, a very good sense that Carol is... Um, Carol's unlike a lot of other... Um, female characters that we've had on Quantum Leap, quite frankly. Um, you know, I think she displays, like I said, some ballsiness and, and, and she has some agency and, well, you know, I love the, the facet of her character that she's going back to school. Um, she has no problem being confrontational with who she thinks is Leon or eventually who she comes to accept as Sam. Yeah. I mean, well, to be honest, she's one of the few uh, women guest stars who are roughly Scott Bakula's age, and mm. she is not a romantic interest. Right. There's absolutely there's no sexual tension between the two. That would have been an interesting way. To, that would have been an interesting way to take this episode. But anyway, mm. sure, sure. Um, she's very motherly. Not just to 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 Becky, but even kind of like later on in the episode, as she starts to come to believe, yep, uh, who Sam is. Yeah. Uh, oh God, yeah. That's that's one of the strongest aspects of of the episode in her character, and I think plays directly into the resolution, which we'll get to. Yeah. Um, uh, but then we get back to the future, and Al is getting ready to to go out and chase Liam. Oh, Al, he's he's had time to switch out of his suit. Into it, oh, into yeah. his badass black pseudo leather, you know, loading the gun. This is the, this is the scene in the old like late eighties B action film. Oh yeah, when the hero like 
opens his closet and pulls out his leather jacket and his machine gun and like you know we get close-ups of him like buckling buckles yeah. and strapping straps and you know loading bullets like this is the equivalent of that yeah. for Al. And this is in, in, in this scene and the subsequent scene that we're going to get of him driving into the city and, and, and seeing the the infographic whatever the the profile disc on his dashboard. Yeah, that Ziggy put together for him. This is quasi essential early 1990s TV sci-fi. I'll even go more specific and say this was the mood of NBC early 90s TV sci-fi. I cuz I even go more specific. This is universal MCA television sci-fi cuz another show they did Time Cop was absolutely of the same vein. Night Rider uh, what was that Night Rider show? Do you show? mean Time Tracks? Um, or time cop, time tracks. I do mean time tracks. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, uh, what was the other? Uh, there was a Night Rider show as well. That was like a Night Rider in name only. No, not Viper. I'm not thinking of Viper. I can't remember the Night Rider show. I'm sure I'll come to it at some point. But there was a Night Rider show uh, as well that was supposed to be in like a near future. Same kind of production uh, value as well. Uh, I, I remember specific, uh, I was a big fan of Viper. I think that came on like a year or two after Quantum Leap went off the air, and I it, it just had a very like like the sci-fi tech to it had a very similar feel to it as as, yeah. as these as all these sci-fi scenes here in this in this episode. I felt very nostalgic yeah. for watching it last night. <laughs> it also I think it, it, it's fair to say that it also owes quite a bit to. Um, Blade Runner. There is a there is like this very low, low, low budget neon Blade Runner shoestring budget with a little bit of like Star Trek tossed in. Um, yeah, that that's what it's kind of trying to be, uh, but it ends up feeling very cheap. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we would be remiss if we didn't point out the the establishing shot of Al driving into the city. Uh, the first shot is uh, reused from the very first shot of the pilot episode. Yep. Um, uh, and apparently, there's a there's an outtake somewhere of Al, the, of them filming the scene, and Al uh, Dean Stockwell pretending to run the car off the road. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then uh, so yeah, uh, Al is heading into the city. Meanwhile, one of my favorite scenes of the episode is when uh, when Sam stumbles on the the medical textbook. And, and that yeah. that that entire exchange, I love the back and forth of, of Carol saying, "You know, forgive me, but the TV said you were illiterate," and her quizzing him, right. and and her saying, "Oh, you know the answer is because you picked up the book and read it quickly." I love the line, "When was the last time you met an illiterate speed reader?" Right, right. <laughs> and, and again, this is another great example of her like kind of giving as good as she gets. Like you know, life isn't over when you're 21 just because it don't look like a cheerleader. Like you know, all this sort of stuff about her furthering her education, yeah. and I really enjoy that. Um, but clearly, I, one of the notes that I took uh, is just asking the question: Is Sam taking a gamble here, having Carol quiz him? Like, what if? His memory blanks on something because of Swiss cheese. And do you know what I mean? Like it's an interesting you choice. Know, here's the thing. Um, looking back on it now, and as as an adult, and just like the very much much less knowledge I have than a than a doctor, just as a massage therapist, 
mm-hmm. the questions that she are throwing him, like name the bones of the foot, sure. the regions of the abdomen or the stomach or whatever, those aren't difficult. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like looking back, it's yeah. all like these are softball questions that anybody with any kind of medical or whatever. Now, could have those been floated out of his head? Could he suddenly gotten the Swiss cheese memory? Sure. But yeah. Right. And and I guess to further that, how interesting would it have been if that's what would have happened? True. If this were the episode that just took place in 1958 in their living room. I think that having him stumble over something like that could have been potentially very interesting. That could have been, if we had more time. Um, You know, just to kind of create a little bit more tension, to have him, to to see Sam have to try different tactics to get her to believe him. Yeah. Um, As it stands, the episode that we have, I think that, yeah, I agree. The scene plays great. I love it. I don't have any quibbles with him remembering these things at all. It was just a what if that popped into my brain. True, yeah. Uh, But then we get Gushy showing up. Fading, yes, we fading do. in and out, which kind of flies in the face of uh, Al has a line in the pilot that that suggests that as a neurological hologram, there's no fading in or out. He's either there or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. But we've also right. seen Al fade in and out of lot in the time since then. So pilot, whatever, blah blah blah. Um, right, right. But yeah, we have we have gushy. Yeah, and I I love. Uh, I would love to have seen more episodes, for whatever reason, to put Sam and Gushy together. Oh yeah. Um, uh, we we are flying in the face of one thing. We are we are changing is that early in the series, like they established that the link between Sam and Al was sacred, as far as like the Holland, it's unique, it, it's unique yep. and that's something that they couldn't recreate. Uh, but obviously, in in the years since, they have found a workaround. Right. You know, you almost have to wonder, like, what if this is a, a result of, like, say, an Elite for Lisa, where they knew that things were getting timey-wimey, and they kind of were like, we have to plan for a contingency that, what if what if I'm not around? You know, Ooh, what if something happens to me? Um, and so maybe they were working something like that up, uh, and this was the first opportunity to kind of pilot that with, with Gushy. Um, there's some interesting exchanges that occur here um, between the two of them. Um you know the, the the kind of resetting of the stakes, if you will, mm-hmm. when Gushy lays the news on Sam that you know now they you know they get killed right here in the living room, and that in addition to Leon getting killed, Becky also gets killed. Yeah. Um, you know, which Sam wastes no time in making the decision that I'm going to let her go and get her out of here as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. While also recognizing that he can't just let Carol go too, because then he's yeah, then he's dead. Yeah. Um, you know, once he lets Becky go, they think he's going to leap out, and he doesn't. Yeah. And Gushy even has that line: "There's like a ninety-one point six percent chance that you should be leaping out right now." And then, of course, Gushy utters an immortal line in the canon of audibly, <laughs> "Man, time travels a bitch. Time, time and space can be a bitch." Time, excuse me. Yeah, time and space, time can, be and space can be a bitch. Uh, which I've always, <laughs> I've always wondered if that was uh, an improvisation by Dennis Wolfberg. Sure. <laughs> if not, he delivers it very well. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, but now after this, Sam has an hour. Um, oh, yeah. and also we we're, we are acknowledging uh, we are in the trope. Uh, I think the time travel trope is called Sandemus time here, where. Where Sam and Al's uh, time frames are, are matched up with each other, so right. that 
yeah, Al has an hour to get Styles back to the waiting room. Al has an hour in the past, even though we're 40 years apart. And technically, Sam's already dead, but hey. Um, right, right, right. And this is where we get to what I hate about this episode. Um, because going into this, like, I, I got, like, I love this episode when I was a kid, but oh God, this episode is horrible now. It's just all around about it. But no, this is a good episode, except for the sequence that we are about to enter. Yeah. This next sequence shits the bed and almost ruins the entire episode. Everything. Nay, the entire series is almost ruined. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it just, yeah. Everything yeah. From, from Leon driving up and, and starting to talk with the sex worker up through when they get back to the project. Good God. You know, okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll play the opposite side of the fence for a second because I don't really disagree with a lot of that. It's certainly the weakest part of the episode. But I will say that perhaps one of the redeeming features is, you know, is the confrontation between Al and Leon um, as Leon is using the sex worker as a shield. Um, just the struggle to relate to Leon when he is and why, you know, why it's important that he come with him and get back the thing that pulls the wind out of the sails for the whole thing, though, a confrontation that could have been had a positive to it, is that Leon ends up, you know, after he ends up shooting Al and taking the hand link, he's going back anyway. So it raises the question just from a dramatic point of view. It's like, what the fuck is the point of having all this even happen if the, if the end game is that Leon, on his own, is going to go back? Right? Um, but once again, much like Lee Harvey Oswald, we get the shorthand of... You know, Leon is violent with a woman, so that furthers the fact that he's a bad person. Yes. And, uh, Which is true. True, yeah. But... Yeah. And it's, and it's also, like, I, I've seen this this trope used before, another thing, of, of of this kind of character being free and easy with the word whore. Yeah. I see, you know. Uh, and, and, it, and it's... Oh, God. It, here, it's... I mean, one, you can forgive, like, the cheese factor of what they thought the future was going to look like. Sure. I, I, I could forgive that, a, you know, a, a little bit. Like, in the video or whatever, the music. <laughs> Watching this scene last night, because earlier I said, you know, the, the, the scene with Al driving into the city. Like, that was every NBC sci-fi show I saw as a kid. And then watching yeah. all the the stuff in the scenes, like this was every uh, softcore porn movie on Cinemax I watched through the scrambled signal when I was a kid. All yep. the music, yep. all the music, and everything, right here, and then we get to Al coming in, and oh, just the this this entire dialogue, this entire exchange, right here. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look. There are a couple big things that I have wrong with this scene. Well, one of them just has to be like, why do we have to reinforce like Al's, you know, lasciviousness, and that, this sort of misogyny? You know, that, that's what like it, it's not just him; it's it's the sex worker too, because she's the one who makes the pass right. at him first. Right. You know, uh, yeah. you know, or you know, or I can help you, or to jump back even second, or to jump back one second. We were watching the episode last night. 
Betsy was the one who pointed this out. It's like as they're standing there with the standoff and Al is trying to convince Leon of the situation, when he calls the sex worker cutie, cutie, is there yeah. a mirror in here? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I completely agree. It's it, it it's just it's unnecessary and it and it and it betrays the stakes of the scene. Yeah, and it, it it's one of those things where it just kind of feels like that's not how people act. That's yeah. Like that's not how. Like even the owl that we have had set up for us in the past. That's not. That is not how Al would behave in this situation. Yeah. If you know, if the situation were no stakes at all, and he sure. just ran into this woman, like, yeah, of course that's how Al would act. But given the stakes, yeah, it's, it it just completely betrays the the. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I I agree that the that this scene feels uh, it's justified to to critique this scene uh, as harshly as as you are. Yeah, and and and. It's like, yeah, so he, he gets shot, bulletproof vest. All right, it's, it stretches believability that in, in all the gunshots, like he wasn't hitting the arm or anywhere outside of the bulletproof vest. Yeah, blah, 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 whatever. But then also, yeah, the sex worker makes a pass at him. Al is clearly tempted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Given, given the stakes of the scene, it's just whatever. Oh, the slow-mo, the slow-mo. Let's not forget the slow-mo. Oh, 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 yeah. Ugh. Dude, the slow-mo is fucking excruciating. That's... Yeah. 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 You ain't real! None of you is real! Ah! Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and let's talk about... And this is something I thought about a couple weeks ago as we were getting ready to record it. We had to push it back. Do we find it believable that Leon Stiles has stolen a car? He's escaping. He's driving away. From someone he expects people will probably be chasing him. Yeah. Does he not look in the rearview mirror once? <laughs> <sighs> yeah. You know. I mean, it's clear that this guy is unhinged, but I, I agree with you. I mean, clearly we've get we've gotten enough information just based off the fact that he was able to escape, that he's killed other people, that he's holed up in this house now, that he's taken hostages. Like, he might be an illiterate scumbag. Uh, not that if you're illiterate, it makes you a scumbag. Um, but, like, the shorthand that we're given for the character is that, that you know, he's this illiterate, woman-hating, prostitute-killing scumbag. Um, all that aside, he has some sort of awareness in order to have escaped and, and been running as, you know away from the cops and so yeah I would agree that, that, that he would do something to try to preserve himself which is the other thing it's like why does he go back I still don't understand why he goes back because like we got we got 10 minutes until the episode ends yeah that's true we got so let, let's jump back for a moment I'm going to nitpick another thing and then I want to go on some fan wank here so to jump back also we, we, we missed the scene where Al pulls up behind Leon out on the street Apparently that's a parking lane. That didn't look like a parking lane there on the street, but sure. Hey, they're just going to park their cars there. Um, Sure. uh, Gushy gets a hold of Al by centering it on him. (laughs) Present day. Uh, They only get the audio because they did a rush job. But it's just funny, like, text message, cell phone call, you know. Right. You know. Uh, or, Or just like, you know, they were all wearing, like, the little, like, mini hand links on their wrists during the leap back. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
You know, we could have got yeah. something like that. But anyway, so Al's room's in. Anyway, I'm going to jump back. I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent. I'm a fan wank. Touching on the okay. fact of, of, of Leon looking in the mirror. This would They would have never done this. They wouldn't do this today. But if you wanted to take it to a really dark place, Al gets ready to go chase Leon Stiles in the city. Mm-hmm. He gets upstairs to the ground level. He gets to the parking lot. Gushy's car is still sitting there. Door open. Light on. Dome light on. He walks up. Leon Stiles is barely still alive from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Oh, Jesus. Because when he looks in the mirror, he sees somebody else. Yeah. He just goes crazy and he shoots himself in the head. Yeah. So the episode becomes about them putting Leon in life support in the waiting room, just trying to keep his body alive long enough to get Sam back. I mean, that's dark. <laughs> Never would have done it, but that's where my mind went thinking about it. Well, you know, I, I, for what it's worth, there are a lot of other directions I feel like they could have gone that might have even been a little bit stronger. You know, just the idea that, like, I don't know, I get turning Al into an action hero was probably appealing in, in some ways, especially trying to set the stage for how they might have decided to use Al in the next season, especially if Al was actually going to leap alongside Sam sure. and try to, like, you know, be tracking Sam down that way. But, but I would have actually been a little bit more interested, and it would have been a beautiful parallel, had Leon taken Al as a hostage and used Al as a hostage and had him at gunpoint this whole time to see the dialogue between those two and have it run parallel to Sam and Carol, I think would have been fascinating. Yep. You could have made it a total bottle so, episode. Yeah. Yeah. So it's unfortunate that, that, yeah, that they decided to go a little bit more of this flashy route, which I feel like we both agree doesn't really pay off because they just didn't have the budget. They just didn't have... They just didn't have it, you know, that, that sort of indefinable it yeah. when it came to, to pulling off these future scenes. Um, luckily, those future scenes are basically now over mm-hmm. uh, after the end of the scene when Al, you know, resumes his pursuit of, of Leon to get back to Project Quantum Leap. Um, and the cool thing is, is that when we go back to 1958, we get... Um, and we get that great scene that you were talking about between Becky and the sheriff. Yep. Yep. A little girl with a Coca-Cola bottle in the backseat of the sheriff's car, and boy, she just spills the beans, doesn't she? She doesn't. And so, like, this is what prompts Hoyt to raid the home so soon, because yep. he thinks that if Leon is in the house telling the story, that he's that he's about ready to lose it. And he's off his rocker, and he may kill uh, Connie soon. And so it's like this is parallel, like this, you know, this paradoxical thing of like, did Sam cause this change in history by telling Becky the story and then Becky sharing the story with Hoyt? Right. Um, and we're also getting into the the very the very next episode, Starlight Star Bright. Sam is going to spill mm-hmm. the beans again. And the very next episode, we get the Evil Leaper. So there's right. there's a lot of fan where the uh, fan theory and fan wink out there that that these are the causes for it. And there's also apparently uh, uh, Becky maybe even be tied into the Evil Leaper project because of 
because of this one happens right here. And apparently it's tied into Mirror Image. I don't remember that, but uh, it's in Matt's book that somehow this, uh, not Mirror Image, Mirror's Edge, which is the final, mm. which, oh, which, which, yes, which, the novel. yeah, which is the final novel in the, in the range. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a, yeah. 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 I, yes. There are so many things that I feel like, again, you know, fan theory, fan winking, you know, could, could really come together. These, you know, these sort of disparate threads of the times when Sam has maybe shared something with someone along the way or someone has seen Al for whatever reason, you know, going back to another mother or, you know, even back before that. And, and, and it becomes much more explicit in season five as they're taking risks and trying to elevate the show and, and attract the viewers in different ways. And, um, you know, the tour.com and when reviewing this uh, particular episode um, talks about sort of the, the premise of the show being stretched a little thin by this point, and, and that's part of the impetus for them to try these new things as well. Um, I, I disagree with that a little bit. You know, I think that the premise of the show, if you have really good, strong writing, holds up because it's just a wonderful premise. Now, that doesn't mean that people aren't going to eventually be like, okay, this has been fun, now I'm done watching this premise, but I don't think the premise itself wears thin so much as it is perhaps maybe the effort put into certain, you know, the writing of certain episodes or whatever. Uh, anyway. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I felt like you could have done a lot of beautiful bottle episodes like this. Yeah. Just, you know, just you right. know, use the premise, you know, and you, and you just tell, you tell a good story. Uh, I feel sometimes I feel like the writing and the production staff, they felt they were limited because they didn't have the budget to do what they wanted to do. Uh, sure. But, hey, what are you going to do? Uh, right. So yeah. So we get Leon coming back to the project, and I do like the scene between Leon and Gushy, because uh, mm-hmm. I just like like uh, Gushy having this attitude of like where Leon just flat out says, "Send me back to where I came from right now, or I'll kill you." And Gushy just says, "Well, I guess you have to kill me then." You yeah. know, no begging for his life. Yep. You know, whatever. Just well, I guess you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I'd like I can't remember like the exact dialogue. Um, where like Leon like asks like who's causing this or whatever, and she's like, well, that kind of depends on your point of view. Call yourself a religious man? <laughs> Probably yep. not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then Al shows up, uh, hits him with the thing. Oh. And this is like the dart. The, the dart, and and uh, and Leon shouting, "Who are you?" And he goes yeah. and he goes down with his eyes wide. And we yep. were watching it last night. Betsy was like, wait, you can't kill him. Right. And I'm like, no, Dart. That was just a bit of overacting. Whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then so, yeah, they uh, Marine shows up. They get, um, you know, they're going to get Leon back in the waiting room. And then we get back to the to the final scene of the episode. We do. Um, and... To me, the you know what, what what happens here, and the way that the characters in 1958 all start to come together, um, it, it, it to it does just make me wonder. It's like were the future scenes tacked on? Like, did Tommy Thompson have this script? 
about Sam as this killer holding these two people hostage. And it was all in 1958. It was your standard sort of Quantum Leap episode, and it was just a really good script. And then all of a sudden, Don Belisario, you know, comes along somewhere in the process and says, this is great, but we need to do something like blah, 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 blah. And then so Thompson goes and says, all right, fine, and throws in all this 1999 crap. Because even the setup that we have for, like, Grimes and, and Hoyt and, and Carol and Sam, like what coalesces here in this final scene is genuinely one of my favorite bits of Quantum Leap. Mm-hmm. Like I just fucking love it. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, it helps to elevate the episode far beyond the 1999 scenes. Um, I love the fact that Carol saves Sam. Mm-hmm. That she literally puts herself as a physical barrier between the sheriff's gun and Sam and then talks the sheriff down. It's this it's this really beautiful reversal that we get of someone saving Sam rather than the other way around. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it you know adds on to what I was saying earlier about Carol having agency unlike a lot of other female characters we've seen to this point on the show. Um, and the fact that she connects with Sheriff Haney as a parent, or, or Hoyt, excuse me, Sheriff Hoyt as a parent, and even even the words that she used, you know, you're a daddy who misses her, his oh, daughter. Yeah. Um, the look on, on on Hoyt's face when he when he lowers the gun and turns around to Grimes and is like, "I'm going home." Like that exchange between the two of them is is just really beautiful stuff. And again, it, it, it's a testament to the actors and the effort that they put in in, in, in this small, you know, scene here. Um, yeah, I, I I just thought the Indian was. Was, was beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's um, yeah. It's just a great scene. Yeah. 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 Now, w- one thing I will say, Jeff, because you talked about like how you know Sam acts passively. He doesn't have a lot of agency in this thing. One thing that does bug me about Sam in this episode, upon rewatch, is that his life has been at risk many times throughout the series. Yeah, but somehow. Like this one, like because it's him, because like there's there's the added stake of he physically can't leap until they get Leon back right. in the waiting room. Like the fear that he reacts with because it's him who might die, kind of bugs me a little bit. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I can articulate. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I. You know what? I. That's that's a that's a unique perspective that I had not applied to the episode yet, because one of my favorite lines, honestly, towards the end of this episode is when he when he says, "I'm ready to go now." Yeah, I just really really like that line and the way that he says it. But using the perspective that you just kind of brought to light for me, it, yeah, it it does, you know, and, and I think maybe in a sort of a subtextual way, an extrinsic, you know, I'm applying this to the show, uh, sort of way that perhaps he's just feeling so tired. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and it's certainly after a leap like Lee Harvey Oswald, um, maybe, maybe the stakes are just feeling a little too high. I mean, we see, uh, you know, as Jessica mentioned, you know, we see in nowhere to run a Sam who might be a little bit more, bitter yeah. and jaded um, in certain ways and, 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 and maybe this is just an extension of that True. a manifestation of that you know um, 
On the other hand, you could also just look at it as being like, it's a completely human reaction to be like, I don't want to die, and I sure. certainly don't want to die like this. Get me the hell out of yeah. here. Um, mm-hmm. But no, that's, that, that is a really good point you make. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, it, you, know, you know, Sam could barricade himself. He could run out the back. But they do say the house is surrounded. They don't show it because we're mm-hmm. shooting this on a budget, you know. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know? right. We never see. Yeah, we never see the back of the We house. never see all that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, and so then Sam leaps, and we get another really interesting. Yeah. yeah. And here's the thing that I love. Uh, earlier in the series, like we may have had a leap in like this, and then when we get to the next episode, it's a fake out. Right. But no, no. Sam is really looking at a UFO. We leap in. Yeah. Next time, uh, I would be remiss if worth. Oh, go ahead. Okay. No, you go ahead. Uh, I'm going to shift gears, so you go ahead and say what you were going to say. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, it is worth noting, and we'll talk a little bit more about this next week, I'm sure, but it is worth noting that we're a full year away from the premiere of The X-Files. And so, you know, a leap out of this nature, I think, viewed by a modern audience, um, you might think of The X-Files in the way that it shot, the lights shining down, you know, all that sort of stuff. Okay, okay. But... But but we're pre X Files uh, in this particular moment, and so I think that that it's just it's interesting to have that bit of context um, when you think about next week's episode, uh, because I think with the juggernaut uh, that the X Files is in science fiction, you know, genre television, uh, that it, that it would be difficult to disassociate some of those those thoughts from the episode, mm-hmm. uh, especially considering how it plays out. But, um, but yeah, we're, we're pre X files when this episode airs mm. by a whole year. That's interesting. I've thought about that. I think I've said it before in previous episodes, X files was a show I tried to get into. I just never did because whenever I tuned in to watch an episode, I just always happened to be catching the fluff episode after the wrap up of a huge storyline. And I'd be like, sure. And I'd be like the fuck, this is what people are going crazy over. Forget it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, to shift gears, uh, I would be remiss if I did not point out that the house set in 1958 is the same house set that they use in almost every other episode. Uh, I, last night we watched the episode. I watched the first few minutes of Starlight, Starbright. It's the same house set oh, man. that they use in Starlight, Starbright. They just, I mean, from the beginning, like from, uh, from Starcrossed. Uh, it, it's the yeah. same. It's the same house they use in a lot of episodes. Just, just redressed. Some set pieces move around, but it's the house from Starcross. It's the house from uh, uh, from Leap Home. It's even the house from uh, uh, How the Test Was Won. I was yes. I, I was just getting ready to say that actually. Um, yeah. Well, hey, you hey, know, we're on a budget. Right? We're on. We're on, we're on a budget. Uh, <laughs> Um, oh, you know, one thing else is, is kind of worth mentioning along those lines as far as production values go. Uh, the, the sheriff's car uh, looks perfect, you know, as far as a period piece. Um, it, it's always fascinating, endlessly fascinating to me how they are able to, um, you know, with some inconsistencies and anachronisms here or there, uh, craft um, you know, beautiful period worlds mm-hmm. uh, that Sam travels into. And yet, when we get the future, the the, the shorthand for the future is oh god, neon, 
And you know, and it's just, and again, it was that's what it was at the time. I mean, God, look at look at Star Trek: The Next Generation. Look at Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. I mean, at the time that those shows were airing, Babylon Five, you know, the, that was just the shorthand for what the future looked like. Even these shows that had huge budgets were basically still just making the future look that kind of way. Um, so it, 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 it's hard to criticize it too much, but unfortunately the 1999 scenes in this episode definitely play very hokey. Um, and, and even though Al is great and Gushy is great, it just, yeah, it doesn't hold together. Um, and and, it, and, it, and it, it pulls what is otherwise a really, really good episode of Quantum Leap down. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say... Um Love this episode. I was a kid, and talking about it, I was like, "Oh God, this entire episode is going to be a shit show." But no, it's it's <laughs> I like even this, at the scenes at the project are fine. Like even given the little squabbles that we talked about, it's 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 just the entire sequence at Sex World between Leon, the mm-hmm. sex worker, and Al. It's just it's it's just that sequence. It's just yeah. Uh, we, we we've talked about before. Uh, Scotty, our friend, who's guest started on an episode before her first experience with right. quantum leap was she came over to to my house one time and i just happened to have this episode on and it was that scene at sex world yeah. and she scotty ever the polite one that she is she was like wow this this was an episode of tv that they actually showed that was on the air yeah yeah, yeah. uh she actually I, I saw her recently she wanted to uh uh, to watch this episode with us and guest with us, uh, but that was like over two weeks ago before things got weird with with, with everything. Right, so right. I didn't even bother reaching out to her because I didn't want to burden her with uh, yeah with every, sure. with everything going on. Uh, we should you know we should still try to get her back because even though we have uh, you know guests like Chris and, and, and Claire who uh, who've been on a number of times and you know and obviously our, our respective wives, um, I you know she's she's definitely been one of my favorite guests that we had on and I thought that she added a lot to our discussion of freedom so uh, I'd certainly love to, to have her back yeah um, once we you know once once we are not under quarantine <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but you know what one thing uh, that I'll just add uh, uh, quickly is that uh, I think that in spite uh, of those 1999 scenes this still comes off as a very strong episode for me uh, I, I enjoy it I think that it's well done Um and surprisingly enough, uh, al- although Nowhere to Run is definitely the best episode of season five thus far, I might put this at number two uh, over Leaping of the Shrew. I would. Yeah. I yeah. like Leaping of the Shrew. I mean, this one, all of our our, our, our quibbles with 1999 aside, uh, the 1958 sequences alone are, are good. Leaping of the Shrew is good. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, you know, and I would also think that probably just to kind of contextualize that, that some people, like the novelty of seeing the 1999 scenes might be payoff in and of itself. That it's one of those things that for some viewers, and this is not, I, I'm not like belittling those viewers at all, I'm just trying to appreciate a different perspective, that for some viewers maybe just the novelty of it being set in 1999 is enough that the quality isn't necessarily that our perceived quality of it differs from theirs because the novelty of it is, is engaging. Um, but I think that having, you know, 27 years of perspective now, uh, that we sit here with it. it, Yeah, it it does. It falls, it falls flat, which is unfortunate because I think the novelty of it as a quantum leap viewer still exists. It just doesn't, it's not as effective as it could be. Um, 
Of course, that said, it's worth noting that our, our friend over at the MacGyver Project rated this episode pretty highly, um, thought it was an excellent and creative episode that was compelling from beginning to end, uh, although it, he does kind of agree that the, that the future scenes you know, were definitely shoestring budget. Uh, over at Al's place on the message boards, uh, it, it holds a pretty high ranking with uh, 39 uh, out of 47 votes, uh, giving it an excellent rating. The other eight votes give it good. Um, so it's you know it's 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 well regarded within the community uh, for what it's worth. But uh, yeah, I certainly stand by what we've come up with here. Sure, <laughs> and we would be remiss if we didn't point out that there is uh, one of the comic books in the comic range that kind of touches on this a little bit. It's a similar plot of, of, uh, of, uh, I don't know if, I don't know if they're a killer, but they're not a good person and they get out of the waiting room. Yeah. Um, which by the way, a few weeks ago, you got me a very nice gift. Oh, uh, and I, I, I took pictures of it and I meant to post it on our page and I just haven't gotten around to it yet because, uh, life. Uh, but, but Sam got me, uh, the portfolio of a lot of the artwork from uh, from the series, and there's only like how, not very many of those printed off. Oh yeah, I th- yeah, it was very very low run. I, I can't remember exactly what the number uh, is, but I, I you know to to be fair, I think that uh, it's also something that was not in high demand. Oh sure. So uh, in spite of there being a very very low run. Um, I think that there are still a couple floating out there. So once you do post the pictures, you know, if anyone's interested in trying to track down uh, a set for themselves, they may still be able to find oh, yeah. one. Um, let's see here. I can tell you uh, 750. That's what I thought um, was about 700. Total. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, um, yeah, it's a cool little portfolio of, of, of art, uh, you know, prints uh, of the um, cover of the comic book issues, which, you know, the, the were, were these hand-painted beautiful you know, covers uh, that they did for the Innovation comic book series, which only ran for like 13 issues. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, fi- final thoughts on the episode? I feel like we've wrapped everything up about, uh, I guess we, we haven't established, is this episode called Killin' Time or Killin' Time? I'm so glad you said that because, I, you know, I don't know, but I think, I will say that I think it's a great title. Um, you know, it's killing time for the sheriff because he's getting ready to kill. You know? Ooh, okay. Uh, I thought about that. You know, killing time for Sam because he's got to kill time until Al stops Leon in the future. Um, I, yeah, I think that there's, you know, killing time uh, seems to be all the time for Leon. So I think it's a good title that, that, that works uh, in different, you know, in different levels for different characters. What about you? What do you think? I've always thought of it as killing time. Uh, yeah, because often do you hear someone say "killing time"? I don't know. Right, right, right. Yeah, uh, like it's supper time. Supper time. Killing yeah, time. killing time. <laughs> uh, no, I, this this episode held up better than what I thought it was going to. Uh, yeah, if I were to introduce anyone to the series of this episode, it's like, hey, this is a pretty good episode. There's one episode that's going to be shit. Just going to just going to warn you. But other than that. Uh, I think it's a pretty solid episode. I agree. It, yeah, it's funny because if I'm not mistaken, it was actually on Sci-Fi Channel, one of Sci-Fi Channel's um, 
Leap Day Marathons. Oh, okay. Uh, which would have been, let's see, I'm thinking that that was probably about 16 years ago sure, or so yeah. when they did a, a leap uh, marathon like on Leap Day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that this was one of the episodes that they ran um, during that marathon. Yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. I, yeah I, I, you know, I'm looking forward to Starlight Star Bright because I have to be honest with you, I, I have very, very little memory of it. I remember certain aspects of it. Um, I'm sure parts will come back to me more as I'm watching it, but it's not an episode that, that stands out in my memory. Uh, and, and it's an episode that I think I missed on first run. I think this is an episode that I did not, because I might have mentioned this before as we've talked about Quantum Leap. Uh, when it came to, as the series aired, I missed a few episodes of season four and season five in particular, and I'm pretty sure this was an episode that I missed the first time around. Um, this is one, I mean, I, I was watching them all in real time. Uh, if not like live, the yeah. night they aired, like I was at least watching them like recorded off VHS by the next day. But this is an episode sure. I probably haven't watched in over a decade. Yeah, easily. Um, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, and especially like with with all of this stuff, uh, the the fan wank, the fan theory of how this ties into Deliver Us from Evil, and that's the very next episode. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to diving in. Why not? We'll, we'll we'll go deep. We'll go we'll go deep. I mean, Sam, what else are we doing? <laughs> hey, if you want, we could just record another episode tomorrow. <laughs> uh, maybe not tomorrow because actually I, I do actually have some work tomorrow. But my uh, yeah, my my time may be a lot more free. This uh, yeah. <laughs> these. So- so, fellow leapers, you may be getting more episodes than you bargained for these next couple of weeks. We may, we may just like just knock out the end of the series while we're in while we're in quarantine here. Just bing, bang, boom. Let's just uh, yeah, right. I hear, no, bingo, bango, bongo, bingo, bango, bongo. There you go. Uh, it, uh, yeah, the, these next few weeks are going to be interesting. Uh, you yeah. can kind of shift away from the episode and go back to where we, you know, we were talking about the the beginning of what's going on in current affairs. Uh, leading up to the to the declaration of the national emergency, knowing that the president was going to be speaking from the Rose Garden, uh, I hadn't even thought about it. But Betsy really thought he was going to say, "All non-essential personnel stay home." Yeah. Um, and we were we were at the grocery store, and that was the thing. We were we were both kind of naive about the grocery store situation. Uh, Betsy just sure. went there. Betsy just went there to grab a few things, um, just for the weekend. She just wanted to beat the week, the normal weekend rush. And yeah. when she got there, it was crazy. And I ended up going to meet her, like just to, like just to help her out. Um, right. And we probably stood in line to check out for well over a half hour. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Same here. You know, I, I will certainly say to anyone who's listening to this, as we are going through what can't help but be described as a, as a crisis um, and, and, and to remember it's not just a national crisis, a global crisis um, that to anyone who's listening, I mean, yeah just, you know, stay safe, be, be, be thoughtful, be mindful, don't, you know, don't panic, but at the same time, don't blow this off I think, you know, from my perspective based on what I've read and, and just my own personal feelings that it is uh, a grave threat and it should be treated as such and the, the frustrating thing about the response to this threat is that we know what's worked. We have the evidence 
of what has worked in places like China and South Korea and Singapore, and and unfortunately, we're not really doing all of that. Um, and so, you know, my my hope would be that over the course of the next week, that we can continue to kind of batten down the hatches, and and just realize that we're all in this together. That it is going to be incredibly difficult. That people, unfortunately, are going to to lose money. They're going to lose jobs. They're going to lose. You know, that that the effects of this are going to be long lasting. Um, and that the best thing we can do is to look out for one another and help one another, and perhaps in, in doing so, staying inside you know, washing your hands, yeah. uh, all that sort of stuff is important, you know, and, and don't, don't, don't hoard toilet paper and sanitizer and, and masks and all that sort of stuff. You know, just be smart, be smart, take what you need and leave the rest because somebody else is going to need it and potentially more than you do. Um, and to the asshat in New York who bought 17,700 bottles of hand sanitizer and then tried to sell them on Amazon, and Amazon wouldn't let them because they didn't want to partake in any sort of scalping at all, congratulations. I hope you have to donate every single last bottle to a senior center or a homeless shelter. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, I take it. You may have saw that I posted <laughs> on Facebook because uh, I have a lot of, because I lived in Kentucky for a time, so I have a lot of Kentucky friends down there, and one of them shared. Um, actually, in Kentucky, it's. Uh, um, I can't remember like what the name of the law or like the exact language, but it is illegal, um, and you can be fined like five thousand dollars for the first offense, ten thousand dollars for every subsequent offense of trying to sell needed supplies during the time of a crisis. Uh, so it was just a post sharing like, "Hey, in Kentucky, if you see this happening, here's how you report it." Um, so if you do yeah. see that happening in your area. Uh, Look into your local state laws and see if there's a way to, you know, to report that. Uh, and if you're doing that, I can't believe you have such a good heart to be listening to such a wonderful podcast like ours and to be Quantum Leap fans. So I'm not even going to address those people. That's right. You know what? Think of it this way. What would Sam do? What What would Sam do? Exactly. 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 Well, on that note. All right. Well, on that note. Take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. Look out for the least of us as you would yourself because everybody's going to need some help right now. And if you know somebody in the um, aged community, give them a call. Let them know you're thinking about them. It's a lonely time for a lot of those folks, um, but it's a necessary time for them to be alone because uh, obviously it devastates that community more than any others. So, you know, even if it's a family member, even if it's not a family member, even if it's somebody you know from church or work or whatever... Give them a call. Yeah. You know? Say, hey, we're thinking about you. If there's anything you need, I'll order it for you. We'll have it delivered. You know, something like there that. You go. So take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. We'll be back real soon with Starlight Star Bright. Mm-hmm. Uh, and thank you so, so much for spending some time with us as we all go through this interesting, interesting time. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Everything Sam said, and we will see you next week, maybe sooner. Who knows? All right. Yeah. Take care. Bye. Bye bye. I want to stay in